0: Great things are ahead at Sanctuary Family Worship Center. Uh, It's not because of us, it's because of God. And we're excited for what's ahead and we hope you will just get connected. Amen. Let's get into the Word this morning. Uh, Let's pray. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 16, verse 22. Father God, Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. God, we set our minds right now on Your Word. God, that You would open it to us. Lord, I pray we would not see it through the lens of religion, Lord, lens of selfish gain, but God, see it through the presence of the Holy Spirit and in the the person of Jesus Christ, the One who has fulfilled all of Your Word, who became the Word flesh incarnate. God, and has given us the great promise In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for rest in this place, spiritual wholeness uh, in the presence of God for every person who hears this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody said? Thank you. Uh, We advertised this morning a free one-day getaway uh, on Facebook, and if you are here today, ta-da, you just received it, you know? Uh, a free one-day giveaway where all of the world's problems and troubles could just go away and Christ could just come into your life. You know what? We offer that free gift every Sunday morning at Sanctuary. That's how awesome we are. Every Sunday, you can just check out of your life, check into this building, stay here all day long, drink free coffee, and just bask in the presence of God. You know, who needs a vacation, right? We get one every week. No, I'm joking. But we're going to talk this morning about resting in your wilderness how do you rest in life's wilderness we said we've are continuing our series the journey and we've talked about how uh, life is a journey and along the way it seems like there's good and bad pit stops and we're following Israel's journey uh through the exodus and paralleling it with the Christian journey through this life's wilderness and uh You ever, ever had a hard time sleeping or turning off your mind before bed? For me, my wife can go to sleep, I mean, in in two minutes, she's out. And me, I'm like an hour later, I'm still thinking, rehashing the whole day. That's just the way my brain works. Uh, Sometimes we have this hard time turning off our minds with all the things we've got to do. We get overwhelmed, perhaps, with worry for tomorrow. Or maybe we just feel exhausted with the stresses of life. Uh, And maybe you're here today and you just feel like you can barely do enough just to get by. And even the Christian life has perhaps become work to you. Church attendance becomes work. Prayer becomes work. Reading your Bible becomes work. Uh, And and that's the same way it goes on this journey that we're following with Israel. And the same is true for us. On this journey of life, we can feel exhausted, but we can feel compelled to work just to survive tomorrow. We think things like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't, I'm don't. i just ready to get out of this spot in my life. I'm ready to get to the next point, God, on this journey or the next level, the next season, whatever word you want to use. Uh, and even church gets to the place where church seems like work. But what if you could rest now from all of your labor? What if today you could rest mind, body, and soul today? Wouldn't you just... Give a lot of money for that, right? Just you could just turn it off and just rest in God, mind, body, and soul. We're going to talk today that while we're on this journey through life's wilderness, God is offering each one of you in this place more than just religious rules. He's going to give you and has promised you not only physical rest but spiritual refreshment, refreshment or refreshing uh, in His presence. Look with me in Exodus chapter sixteen, verse twenty-two. If you're there, say Amen. Amen. Let's recap it here. Here we find Israel, all right? Uh, Moses has led them out of the bonds of slavery in Egypt. And they are crossing, they've crossed the Red Sea by the mighty hand of God. God shows up as the Lord, their healer. He shows up as the Lord, mighty warrior. And He has led them into the wilderness. They were three days in. They came to a bitter place called Marah. And, and by the power of God and His grace, even in their grumbling, He made the water sweet. And He led them to Elim, where there was uh, seasons or there was 12 springs of water for every tribe uh, and date trees. And, and He was just a good God to lead them from bitter to sweet. And we talked about how God in the same way in us, in our Christian life, leads us from sweet things uh, in the seasons of bitterness. And Christ can make your life sweet. I in mean, now God is leading them to another place. And we're going to, we've we found to the place where they have gotten into their journey. Uh, and God, last week we talked about, gave them manna and he gave them quail as a symbol of his provision that in the midst of life's wilderness, you and I can trust that Jesus Christ, the bread of life, the manna from heaven, is enough. For your daily need. God's promises will always be there. And He uh, even graciously, abundantly gives those promises. Now, we're going to kind of stay right here this morning. I really felt like I wanted to get one more thing out of this passage uh, that God would not let me go from on this one spot in Exodus chapter 16. Uh, even last night, God kept me up just rewriting this for you and I today and just trying to get it to a place where Uh, where we could understand, I'm going to kind of warn you today, I'm going to teach a little bit, but I also know that uh, I want you to listen with spiritual ears today, okay? Because many of you, if you listen through the natural man, will lose what I'm going to reveal to you today in Scripture, Uh, and I struggled with it all week, just to be honest. I had to spend hours in prayer and even up last night just trying to understand, God, what do you want to say today? Uh, and so I want to pray over you to listen in the presence of God. Listen through the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said they had to have ears to hear. Amen? And so let's read this with, with me real quick. Exodus chapter 16, verse 22. Okay. I'm in the New American Standard. And it says this. Now on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. All right? And then when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, uh, he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that's left over put aside to be kept till morning. So they put aside all that was kept till morning, and Moses, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. Remember, it did that on the six days of the week. They could only keep with the manna for the day. And so Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you'll not find it in the field. Six days you should gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. And it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none, no manna. And then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people, will they refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. So remain every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day, so the people rested on the seventh day. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about work and weariness, work and worry. You know, in Japan there is a term, uh, let me look at it real quick, the term is named karoshi. Uh, It means death by work, basically. Anybody ever heard of this before, what's happening in Japan? Uh, about 2,000 people last year died literally from overworking. People are just dying on the subway, uh, dying of heart attacks, dying even of suicide because they are working. The culture, uh, a part of the culture, is pushing them to overwork, to extend. Some, one young man I read, uh, 34 years old, was working 90 hours plus a week for the last several weeks, and his family found him dead from, from overwork. There's a, such a term for this that they, they, they've defined it now, and the government's really coming out about it. But it's not even something that's forced. Twelve-hour workdays in Japan are seen as normal, uh, and it's uh, not forced. And they even give them vacation, but few take it because of this inner fear uh, that they won't be performing enough, that they won't have a good review on their evaluations. And so they'll often serve their bosses for free. I bet many of us do not have that problem today, right? Uh, so they're suffering stroke, heart attack, and suicide. I was thinking about this, and, and what a horrible symbol of man's kingdom, of what man does, uh, and what uh, the flesh pursues gain. But I thought about this in a spiritual sense as well. Uh, maybe today in this place, you're in a physical sense, you're thinking of uh, your life is go, 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 and you're barely getting by. Or, But spiritually, maybe... Everything you're doing, you're feeling like uh, all that you're doing is never enough. God, I pray, I don't get a release. God, I read my Bible, I don't feel blessed. God, I do all these things, I come to church, but God, there's, it seems to be never enough. Uh, all that I do is never enough. And I don't know if you've been in that place today or not, but maybe someone in this room, this is a word for you, that life's journey is wearing you down and you're doubting God's refreshing. You see, uh, you and I today exist under a curse of physical and spiritual work. You think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were cursed with work and pain. In the garden, Adam would have to work by the sweat of his brow. Eve would suffer pain. Their relationship would now suffer because of their uh, separation. they begin to compare themselves to one another. They were separated spiritually from God. So they've got physical curse And a spiritual curse, physical work now and spiritual work now to try to attain whatever level of holiness they could to stay under the blood of a sacrifice. And so here we are today in this place and God and knowing this, we look at Israel and Israel right here, God is revealing to them his law He's defining what sin is on this journey. He's defining what holiness is on their journey. But at the same time, he's reminding them of a great promise of one that he foretold with Adam and Eve in the curse, that he was bringing a Messiah, an anointed one, to come and break the yoke, the slavery of not only physical pain and weariness and worry, but also spiritual pain and work. All of the things of the Spirit and all the things of the flesh would be made right once again with the promise... Of rest, the promise of rest in the Anointed One, Christ Messiah. And so, look with let's look at this passage here in Israel. Israel is now freed from their bonds of slavery. Now they're here; they're learning to trust the hand of God. The man is coming every day. Uh, can you just imagine, just for a minute? Can you just imagine if wholesome bread just showed up on your porch every day? Would that not just be awesome? You know, like it's just there. Every morning you wake up, you go to your truck, your truck or your car, there's just toast. You know, it's just breakfast prepared for you. I, you know, just think about the miracle that they're seeing here. It's something kind of crazy. It's, we just, oh, it's man, because we've heard about it in mo, you know, our little kids' stories for years. But this is something amazing. God's revealing something physical, though, but also spiritual. So here they have, they're learning to trust in God's hand. He's leading them to the promised land. And the Bible says that He's testing their faith. Deuteronomy, we read last week that God was humbling them though to hunger, to realize that man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word of God. So He's testing them. But what happens along the way? Here we find them in such miraculous provision, still doubting the word of God. He's testing them. Perhaps today you feel like you're in a test, a physical test or a spiritual test. Their flesh was concerned for physical things, natural things. It was concerned for the things of Egypt. But God was teaching them. He was revealing something spiritual. Maybe you have the mindset of Egypt still today. Maybe God has got you on a journey. He's taking you on this Christian journey. He's trying to reveal spiritual things. But unknowingly, maybe your mind, your heart is still desiring and looking through the world's eyes, looking through the things of Egypt's eyes and still seeing even the blessings of God in the realm of the natural, in the realm of the physical, in the realm of what you can taste and see and feel. But just like these people... Just like these people, in all of their work, and all of their worry, they doubted and disobeyed the Word of God. They were consumed with, will we, will we make it until tomorrow? Do we have enough? Or, Man, we need so much more. We need this. I need that boat. I need that car. I need that house. I need this retirement. I need that. They were consumed with that. And even for some of them, it was like, we don't need to stop here. We need to keep on going. Collect, collect, collect. Move, move, move. Go, go, go. And God was saying, I want to teach you something. Rest. Rest. Maybe you're physically or spiritually weary today. And maybe what you see in your life as lack, maybe what you're looking at your life in, is through the lens of religion, I think God wants to reveal His heart to you today. Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-five says this, that God, I satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone who languishes. How many people believe that today? God satisfies the weary ones. He refreshes, refreshes everyone who languishes. Okay, work and worry. God rests, and God commanded rest, and God commanded refreshment. What is this Sabbath thing, okay? Let's look at this for a second, the Sabbath. Look at the first few verses. The sign of the Sabbath, Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, talks about that God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it because He rested from all of His work which God had created and made. And before the fall, now think about this, Adam and Eve in paradise. In paradise where there was no work and no worry, no stress, God commanded them to rest on the seventh day. How many know if Adam and Eve had to rest in paradise, I need to learn how to rest in God in this wilderness. Amen? Because, Lord, help us if they had to rest in the Lord in paradise, how much more do we need to learn how to rest in the Lord today in this wilderness that many of us live through Monday through Monday every week? So he's teaching them something. From the foundation of the world, God instituted a principle for you and I to learn how to rest in Him, to learn what it is to rest in Him. And the word Sabbath means Shabbat or Shabbat. It means cease or rest from labor. And, and God says, I have made this a holy day, I have sanctified it, which means I have set this day apart for my purpose, for his purposes. And God gives them this law. So get, follow with me here this morning, and I'm going to get you to the good part. So at creation, God makes the Sabbath, right? And here we are in the wilderness, at the manna giving, God gives them the Sabbath. And then you go a little ways on, God in the Ten Commandments gives them the Sabbath again. So we get the Sabbath long before we ever get the law, okay? Are you with me this morning? Sabbath came before the law. And he tells them it's equal morally to murder, do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't make any graven images, don't covet your neighbor's wife, and keep the Sabbath. Now, isn't that not kind of odd? Here's these great things that we would say, yeah, don't murder someone's over here. And then equal to it is keep a day off once a week. Now, how I don't know where we are in our Christian walk, and we're going to explain some things today, but I think sometimes we don't see that in Scripture, that God saw resting in Him as important as do not murder. Isn't that kind of crazy? Do we think about it that way this morning? Do we think about what He's saying? Now, what is, look at this. He committed that they rest and be refreshed. He equated it to don't make idols, don't murder, don't commit adultery. So obviously it's pretty important. And he says it's a holy day set apart to do His will, not doing things as you pleased. He says, number two, that it shows that you belong to God. It tests if you trust in Him. Three, he said it was a reminder that God rested and then He's got a covenant of rest in Christ's coming. And he says it was a spiritual, it was a gift of physical rest, but it was also a spiritual time of refreshment. They would worship. They wouldn't farm. They wouldn't make fire. They wouldn't even chop wood. They said, servants, you get a day off. Animals, you get a day off. We stop work and we worship God. Do you know in the 17th century, even Puritans in America, after going to church, would spend the rest of the day, they wouldn't even play sports. Their families would gather together and then reflect on the morning's message that they learned. Wouldn't that be awesome? I say that as a pastor today. You know that, man, today y'all go home, y'all don't watch TV, you just think about, man, let's just look at Pastor Heath's notes. I would feel so blessed. <laughs> I love you. But you just think about it. That was just the seven, that was in America. And you know, even 30 to 40 years ago, you couldn't go buy gas, go to the drugstore here, United States, even in this, this parish that we're in right now, 30, 40 years ago, you probably couldn't go buy many things, couldn't go do certain things. Maybe just the hospital was open. That's just 34 years ago. So, in our busy modern world, I think we tend to uh, kind of write this level of Sabbath off. Maybe it's just an Old Testament thing. And why is that? And what does it really mean to keep the Sabbath holy today for the New Testament Christian? Because I think right here, if you do not follow me, you will quickly go to religion. But I'm about to take you on the deeper level, okay? Are you with me? Somebody say amen. amen. Alright, some of y'all are here. Okay, what was God really trying to teach Israel, okay? He was reminding them of something awesome, that He supplied their need. They had extra on the sixth day. Their food did not spoil as usual. He permitted rest in their wilderness journey, and here's what it is. God was teaching them, and He's teaching you and I today, that a long life's journey, His Word is good on His promise. God's Word is good on its promises." Israel experiences manna. That's the son of Jesus Christ, the bread of life, the Word of God. He provides the Word of God for this hungry world. Secondly, He he gave them a Sabbath. He said, I want you to take today off and remember of the promise I'm leading you to, but not just the physical promise of blessing in this world, but there is coming a day where every person who is called by My name, who believes on Me, will have eternal rest in My Son, Jesus Christ. There is... In your wilderness today, church, God still supplies all your needs. I don't care what the physical circumstance looks like, but the Word of God says, I might not can explain it. You may come to me and stump me with why you're not being blessed. But here's what I do know. The Word of God does not lie. I don't know why you may have lack. I don't know why you may be sick. I don't know why you're in the season sometimes you're in. But what I do know is the Word of God says Jesus is enough. Amen? The Word of God says He gives our rest both physically and spiritually. And the Word of God was made flesh. And now today the promise of God is available to every single one of us. Manna has become real in the man, Jesus Christ. The promise of God has become real in the person of Jesus Christ. It is alive and well today. Today is the day of the Sabbath. Today is is the Sabbath day. Not because it's Sunday, but because you and I get to participate to eat of the manna, the living bread, and to rest in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, is that not good? That's good news. Good news that if you need real rest today... Just as this Sabbath was intended, God said, I want you to take a day off, have fun, have a festival, be joy filled, remember all the things I've done and remember all the things I'm going to do. Today is a day where you and I can say, God, I thank you that you've saved me from hell and weeping and anguish of gnashing of teeth. God, today I thank you that I'm not going to be destined to an eternal pit of destruction with Satan as all of his demons. God, that You've rescued me in this season of my life and that season of my life. God, You've healed me here. God, You've provided for me here. And God, I can see all that You've done before. And God, I can know on the promise of God's Word, I can see all that lies ahead. The book tells me I'm going to win in the name of Jesus. It tells me that there is a promise that is yes and amen in the very words of Christ, that I'll never be left nor forsaken, that He has redeemed my life, called me by name, and that today is my Sabbath day. I can rest in the middle of every worry, trial, or tear. Everything. In the middle of the wilderness of life, I can take a day, I can take a moment and say, God, this says it all. Right here. Ah, I can rest. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be in the promised land yet to rest. The world tells you you've got to get, 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 gain, 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 have, have, have. But in the middle of life's wilderness, God has provided a way for you and I to just rest. Rest in Him. That's what a Sabbath means. That's That's what it means that today you can live in the blessing of relationship instead of the burden of religion. The blessing of relationship instead of the burden of religion. I think some of us today see church attendance, see Bible reading, seeing praying as a burden. You know what that means? you got religion. Because I've got rest in Jesus. Amen? I'm going to give you five things today, five steps on your journey. Today, if you're in a season of wilderness, and you don't feel like you have rest, and you're just trying to figure life out and trying to get by... You're just trying to figure life out and trying to get by, and you don't have that rest in your wilderness. I'm going to give you five steps, five paces to take on your journey to get to the moment of rest, okay? Are you with me this morning? Somebody say amen. amen. Okay. Because I tell you what, it's hard to rest when this world's so busy. Sometimes we feel the need to skip church or prayer time or Bible time. We, we run a few errands. We want to catch up on the mowing or the laundry. Maybe we've got to binge on those TV shows that just came out on Netflix, right? I'm with you. Uh, Maybe we need to feel like, uh, I just need to take a day off and rest by the pool, get away at the big game, go shopping, get alone in the woods fishing and hunting. And then we wonder why we're not really rested in our soul. We, We do these things of the world, the things of Egypt. We rest like Egypt rests. And we wonder why we're unsatisfied, why our kids are rebelling. Why our marriages are falling apart and why all of our finances and jobs and money is burdened us down. Because we haven't learned how to rest with real rest. So should you celebrate Sunday like a Sabbath? Should you come to the church every Sunday in, in, a, in, a, in a religious sense? What did Jesus teach about real rest? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus steps on the scene on earth and He comes at a time between the Old and the New Testament where the Sabbath had become so religious. Now, the word rest and Sabbath are kind of the same, okay? Cease and rest and Sabbath, all right? And he comes on a scene where it becomes so religious, do you know that it was illegal to tie a knot on the Sabbath day when Jesus showed up? And he shows up, starts healing people, raising the dead, uh, feeding his hungry disciples. And he puts out all a man's religion and it was perverting God's law and he becomes lord of the sabbath and i'm going to tell you something just as we begin this next five steps if we're not careful our christianity can also become man made if we're not careful we don't r- realize that jesus is lord of the sabbath okay matthew 28 verse 20 matthew 11 verse 28 jesus said and this is the life verse of our church come to me all who are weary And heavy laden. And I will give you what? Rest. Hmm. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle, humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he saying? Jesus is saying, trade your way for finding true rest for his way. Trade your work for his work. Five steps. Number one, here we go. Five steps to finding true rest in Jesus Christ. Number one is to realize these. I think we've got it on the screen. There we go. Number one is that Christian, you have his freedom. Here's the first step you've got to realize. You have his freedom. You know, you are hopeless to obey the Sabbath. You are hopeless. Just like you are hopeless to uh, not covet something of your neighbor Just as you were hopeless not to commit adultery because of lust, just like you were hopeless not to murder because Jesus said if you had hate in your heart, you murdered somebody, you were still hopeless to obey the Sabbath. You were hopeless. Why? Well, you say, Pastor, I could come to church every week, or Israel went to the Sabbath every day. They were hopeless from the very beginning, the first moment in this desert where God says, Go to the Sabbath, trust in me. They doubted his provision. And they were burdened to the curse of sin. Okay, now get, follow with me. To break the Sabbath is to do this right here. And you could agree that we've all done this. To break the Sabbath is to continually fail to trust in God's Word. Anybody ever failed that one? You've broken the Sabbath. He said, trust in me on the Sabbath. I'll provide all your needs. Trust in me. Rest in my presence. They didn't. There could be moments, we could do that ten times a day. In a moment, just continually break the Sabbath. It's not about attending church on Sunday. You and I have freedom. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to free us from the curse of the law, that the Sabbath was a matter of the heart, and Jesus Christ has set us free. So number one, you have His freedom today from every religious rule. And if today you and I would just do this... Cease from all of your work and let Jesus work in you. That's what John Calvin said. Cease from all of your work, all of your worry, all of your labor, all of your trying to figure things out, and let Jesus just figure it out in you. We try to do it. We try to make it happen. We try to figure it all out. But just be free. Amen? Just be free in the name of Jesus. So number one, you have His freedom God's freed you from having to come here on Saturday and slaying a goat. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, we haven't done that in a long time, but if I catch you out here, I'm going to have to talk to somebody. We've got to go back through Bible 101. Number one, you've had freedom. You are breaking the Sabbath all the time because you failed to trust in God, but Christ gives you freedom. Cease from your work. Let Jesus work in you. That's number one. Number two, once you get to that step, you go to number two. You take a second step. You have His relationship. Christ, Christian, you have His relationship. You don't have religion, you've got relationship. You don't have an institution, you have His identity. So what does that mean? Do I have to go to church every Sunday? Someone would ask the pastor. Okay, pastor, I'm free. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. I can just worship God out there on that football field. Go Saints or go LSU or whatever. We can just worship Jesus. What Do I have to? No. You do not have to come to church every Sunday to be a Christian because you've been freed in Jesus Christ. But let me give you a little tidbit on here. You've got relationship, not religion. You've got his identity, not an institution. The New Testament never commands a Christian to obey going to church on the Sabbath, Saturday, or to the Sunday, which the, new ch- the early church quickly made it into Sunday, by the way. That's why we're here today. The new church, The New Testament church quickly moved it to Sunday because of the resurrection. But it's no longer about one day a week. And you don't have to go to church every Sunday, but I'd ask you, why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want to? What's at the heart of all of your desires to keep you out of the presence of God and His people? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Think of ways to motivate one another, to do good, not to neglect gathering together as some of those Christians do. But, you know, the early church met on Sundays, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they continually met night by night praising God, having favor with all the people, breaking bread from house to house, and God began to do mighty things among them. You see a zealousness. And I say this, you might be a religious person if you try to figure out how to get out of one Sunday morning a week instead of how to fit more in, right? Right? You might be a religious person if you try to get out of church every week instead of how to fit church every day into my life because I don't have religion, I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have an institution that's my church, I have an identity in you, the people of God. Amen? That's a good one right there. Y'all should say amen double on that one. Amen? It's not about coming to a service, it's about being the people of God. But if I'm focused on getting out of services, I've realized I've just missed the point. I've got religion, not relationship. I've got an institution, not an identity, and you, my local family. Amen? Amen. So once you get the freedom in Christ, number two, once you get the relationship in Christ, you move on in the Sabbath. do You have His blessing. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, He says, I'm going to make six days sufficient for you, Israel, and I'm going to supply all of your needs, and even what I bless you with will not ruin And what does Jesus come? The Lord of the Sabbath comes. He says, hey, I know every sparrow that falls, and you're more valuable than every sparrow. Don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus comes, the Lord of the Sabbath, He says, seek first my kingdom. And He tells Paul, in the midst of a season of worry and strife and and pain, in His ministry and His kingdom work, Christ says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. Christian, you have his freedom, you have his relationship, and you have his blessing. You do have his blessing on your finances. You do have his blessing on your marriage. You do have his blessing on everything that you do. But here's how it comes. If you make sure, and and if, if you're a type of Christian who says, God, I'm willing to sacrifice my earthly work for kingdom work, my earthly profit For kingdom profit, not mine. God, that you would get the glory, that you would get the gain. God, that I seek first the kingdom. You can be sure that if you put kingdom as number one priority in your life, you're going to see your marriage blessed. You're going to see your finances blessed. You're going to get a spiritual blessing. And I'm not talking about doing the religious thing of tithing. That's religion. I'm talking about your heart, soul, mind, body, strength, saying, God, I seek you first. I seek you first. You can't pay off, God, by tithing. God don't need it, to be honest. And I'm sure... I know, I'll stop there. Get myself in trouble. You know, even... I go so far to say, you know the popular chain Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A, both owned by Christian CEOs, Christian families? Both of them take off on Sundays to bless God, to give their employees the day of rest to go to church. While that can be religious, do you know that God has blessed their prophets, that they have a seven-day prophet in six days because they gave that day to the Lord? Yes. That's a true story. True story. The Green family debated it for a while. Talked to the head of the Assemblies of God to ask, we, want, we feel like God wants us to give up Sunday and close all of our chains around the United States. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know how we'll make it. They just, he said, do it in faith. Do it to God. They did it. Their profits increased in six days. There's something about seeking first the kingdom of God. And he says, And all these things that the Gentiles worry about will be added unto you. Just trust me. You have his blessing. Number four. You've got his freedom. You've got his relationship. You've got his blessing. You've got his strength. You've got his strength. And just as the Sabbath was given for physical rest, you've got to realize, in this life, many of us, have to realize this thing that God has you on is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's okay to take a break now and again. You know, studies show CNN reported in 2013 that those who filled their life working and filling their life not only with work, but hobbies, 24 hours a day, seven days a week actually had an increased rate of depression, anxiety, stress, weight gain, were less happy and fulfilled in their marriage or relationships because they filled their life with so much. That's the physical side, but when Jesus comes and fulfills the Sabbath, He says, "You've got my strength." You know that when your body fails, and it will, Jesus is still the Lord your healer. You know that Isaiah 40 says, "Those who wait upon Him will find new strength." You trust Him in that. You trust Him in when Paul says in Romans 8:23 that even in the groanings of this body, you can eagerly, enthusiastically wait the redemption of your body. You have His strength. that has been given. The Lord of the Sabbath has given you rest. And finally, this one. I'm going to close with this. Christian, you have His Spirit. The Sabbath thing was not just a physical demonstration. It was a spiritual one. And Paul talks about that the Sabbath and things like it are just a shadow of what Christ is doing in your life. Jesus comes, he says, Hey, I'm giving you rest for your soul. And when Peter figures this out in Acts, excuse me, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, he says, If you repent and you receive Jesus, this Lord of the Sabbath, basically, he says, You'll experience times, seasons of refreshing. There'll be a new season. Basically, the Sabbath will come into your life every day you will have the presence of the Holy One of God living inside of you. And nobody can take that away, church. If you are certain you're not walking in religion, but in relationship, in the freedom of God, in the blessing of God, in the strength of God, you have His Spirit and you are promised the Spirit of refreshing, renewal in the presence of the Lord. You know why I want to come here every Sunday? is because I know that when we gather together, the Bible says that He's in the midst of us. I know He's with you on your own, but there is something special about learning the Word together, spurring one another on, encouraging one another, memorizing the Word, challenging in the Word, but also in the middle of worship, the presence of God just comes in this place. Lives are touched. People are changed. And if you've never experienced that in a church service, you've got religion. Not the Sabbath. I want you to have the Sabbath today. I want today to be a Sabbath in your life. Wherever you're going through, whatever you're in, right now, this moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. can be Sabbath. Ceasing from all of my work and resting in the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Worship team, would you come? But I want to read you this passage as they're coming. Hebrews chapter 4. It's on the screen. Because this sums it all up. Right here. I'm reading in the New Living, and it says this. Because you have to understand today with spiritual ears, God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may fail to experience it today. This is the good news. That God has prepared this rest. And it's been announced just as it was to them, to Israel, But it did not do them any good because they did not share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter this rest. We know it's already been in place because in the scripture it says and it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day God rested from all his work. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering His rest. And that time is today. Mm, Isn't that beautiful? You can enter His rest today in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?